Apocalypse Rock, Chapter 20 July's Research Doug's station wagon clanged southbound, just over the speed limit. His heart rate had increased, his head was pounding, and his hand throbbed. The wind had picked up, making the branches of the trees on either side of the road wave gently. He parked the car near the cafe and jogged up the lane to July's cabin. Bear was standing outside on the porch, sipping on a coffee from his thermal flask. His face stuck in his phone screen. The multicolored diamond-gridded window next to the door was shattered. Glass shards lay scattered on the porch boards below it, the lead gridding bent as if someone had reached through it. The door was open and swinging slightly in each little gust of wind. I've been trying Sweetland, but he's not picking up, Bear said. Put my head into July's. Wanted to wait until you got here. Sweetland's not there. July's not there. Doug replied. As just at the compound, there's a replacement cop from Terminal City. He had no idea about July or the break-in or assault. And get this, Sweetland didn't log any reports. He hasn't made one single report for months. Messed up, replied Bear, shaking his head. So now it looks like our island cat burglar has broken into July's place too. Doug let out a yawn and then a small groan as he stretched his neck. You okay? Bear asked. Yeah, just some rough sleep last night. I had a wild dream about people looking in at me through my bedroom window and like clouds of flies. Well, that sounds like a classic horror dream, replied Bear. A gust blew the door open and the two looked into July's home. Apart from the sound of the wind, it was silent. Bear and Doug looked at each other. Okay, let's do it, said Bear. The lights were off, but the windows allowed enough daylight in for the two to see. It was cold from the broken window. The small but cozy space was packed with many objects, pictures, and curios that July had collected over the years. Hundreds of books lined the shelves up to the ceiling. Numerous trinkets were placed on all available surfaces. The wall space was filled with photographs, paintings, and drawings. In one corner was an antique writing desk, its drawers open, a mess of papers strewn on the floor below it. Nothing else looked like it had been disturbed. Doug looked down at the side table next to the door. Sitting on a pile of unopened letters was July's cell phone. Doug tapped it and the screen lit up. There were multiple missed calls from himself, Bear, and other folks Doug recognized. He put the phone in his pocket. In the place where the phone had been was a familiar business card. He handed it to Bear. That's one of the guys from the retreat, said Doug. One of the hitchhikers I picked up yesterday. He gave this to me. The outdoorsy hipster. Written across the card in embossed letters was at shining wind underscore journeys underscore within. Transformative experiences. Curated. Thing is, I can't remember if I gave this to July or she got it from him somehow. Doug walked to the antique desk and crouched down to look at the scattered papers on the floor. 
He sifted through them. Some telephone bills and bank statements, shopping lists and assorted notes and scraps. Doug crouched further down and poked his head under the desk. In a small pile were numerous black and white printouts. Doug collected them, and he and Bear leafed through the pile. On each page were swarms of small, angular, tick-like marks, little wedges that ran buzzing along a series of straight, horizontal lines. July had made small handwritten notes, presumably for the translator she had sent them to. The glass cylinder, Doug muttered. So these are from that thing you found on the beach? Bear asked. I think so, replied Doug. July said that she had copied out the engravings so she could send them to a friend at some university. This must be the translation down here. The two friends stared at a list of seemingly random words. Moon. Regret. Ancient. Hungry. Refuse. Actor. Witness. Dolphin. Myth. Bomb. Never. Witch. Collapse. Practice. Feed. Shame. Open. Despair. Creek. Road. Again. Ice. Least. Kingdom. A mystery wrapped up in an enigma, eh? Surmised Bear. Whoever translated it for July also added a note below. Doug read it aloud. Dear July, as we spoke about on the phone, I can confirm this is a contemporary variant of Sumero-Akkadian cuneiform script. It's interesting to note that where the Sumerian pictographs or Akkadian language did not possess either the word or concept, then the English phonetic spelling was used, which is eccentric, to say the least. In terms of encryption, I would assume the use of Sumero-Akkadian cuneiform is mostly down to the poetical spirit in whoever produced these odd little objects. It's not so difficult for a specialist to decipher, especially if we assume that it should be translated into English in the first place, rather than, say, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, Latvian, etc., etc. But what for and where the word should be used, I'm at a loss. As you say, it's less about the words and more about how they're used. All that said, I think the most interesting, if not worrying, aspect of this little object is one I cannot confirm without seeing it in the flesh, as it were. The little object's electromagnetic capabilities, as well as overall material dynamism, reminds me of some similar tech I was privy to when working with our friends in Seattle several years ago. If that is the case, then I would say that there's an urgent need for containment, as this is not something one should be finding washed up on a beach, let alone being passed around friends. I know that you are supposed to be retired, July, but I suggest immediately contacting Pacific Center for their take on this. I have already informed our mutual friends. Yours, Hank. Shit, Bear whispered. Doug frowned and handed the printouts to Bear. He opened the writing desk lid. Doug cleared the writing surface. There was a small click, and the desk surface opened a crack. Is that a secret compartment? Bear asked. Doug gave a conspiratorial wink and jostled the lid open. He pulled out July's laptop. 
Across its battered surface were a riot of various colorful stickers. Shut up and smile, read one. Salish Sea Society of Independent Researchers, read another. What's that? asked Bear, pointing into the dark compartment. A book sat in among the clutter. It was a hardback. A multitude of colored little post-it notes had been inserted between its pages. Across its black cover ran an ornate, archaic-looking font. Bear pulled the book out from the compartment and read the title aloud. Don't climb trees on Dead Man's Island. Secret burial sites of the Pacific Northwest, from First Nations to flower children. Under the title was a black-and-white photograph of a tiny island covered in tall, spindly, evergreen trees. Burial sites, wondered Doug. Jai told me she'd been up Costo doing research. Really hush-hush about it. This could be part of that. Bear folded the papers with July's translations from the glass cylinder and put the book under his arm. A cold draft passed through the room. Doug looked up at the broken, diamond-gridded window. Let's get out of here. Rock is written and read by me, Nate Budzinski. For more, go to apocalypserock.xyz. Thanks for listening.